lot of Razorback fans in this position right now that we're in. Just enduring heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss. And even at this point, it's become gone from heartbreaking to frustrating, beyond frustrating. The only feeling that I'm feeling right now is relief. Relief in knowing that I know exactly every single week, as long as this staff, I'm not necessarily saying as long as Chad Morris is in Fayetteville, but as long as this staff is on board, we're going to get the same results. It doesn't matter how superior or inferior the opponent is. That's what I told myself I was going to have that feeling. I, I had mentioned really just to myself. I didn't talk to a whole lot of people about it. After the A&M game, I said, well, we have this bye week coming up to figure everything out, get our guys rested. After the bye week, we were about almost as healthy as we could possibly be, excluding most of the season-ending injuries that we have. And they came out, and just as everybody said, hog's going to hog, that's exactly what they did. My name's Kyle Sutherland. Thanks for tuning in to Tex Hogs. In this first segment, I'm just going to talk about what we, where do we go from here? What do we have right now? Well, it's a lot worse than just losses. It's a lot worse than just looking bad in those losses. What's most concerning to me, it's not that Chad Morris brought in two quarterbacks that are supposedly going to fit his system, one of them which played for him for three seasons. It's not even necessarily the offensive line. That's one that we've pointed to for quite a number of years now. And they haven't been all that horrible the entire season. San Jose State, I'd say that entire game they were bad. Other games they've had their moments. What's really bothersome to me is they just will not get the ball into the hands of their playmakers. At least not enough. Your four best guys, I was talking to my buddy Josh Throne of this of the 4th and 5 podcast. You can also catch him on Pig Trail Nation. I was talking to him about this earlier, and I thought he made a really good point. He said, you've got four guys on offense that are for sure NFL players. Rakeem Boyd, C.J. O'Grady, Traylon Burks, and Trey Knox. Two of those guys are 18, 19 years old. So they've got plenty of time to keep maturing, despite the plays that they've already made this season. Rakeem Boyd carried the ball 15 times against Kentucky. I said before the season that I think you could probably get away, if all goes to plan, that you can get away with giving him 20 carries a game if you get the production that is expected from Devwall Whaley, Chase Hayden, TJ Hammonds. But that's the thing, you haven't. You've seen a few flashes here and there from Whaley, but he just hasn't gotten it together. Another four-star running back coming out of high school. I'm not even so sure that Chase Hayden is going to play another down for the Razorbacks. He's still listed as on the team, but he did only play the first four games, and we haven't seen him since. He's in concussion protocol for A&M. But I, my money's on that, that I'm, this is not me saying that this is going to happen, but if I was a betting man, I would say that he is probably not going to play another down for this team. T.J. Hammonds, his whole career has been, where's he at, what if? But you've got Rakeem Boyd, which I said on a YouTube channel that I do weekly with my buddy Grant, NMD TV. Go check that out, too. I said that he was the second best running back that I have personally ever seen come through the University of Arkansas. 
My earliest memory is Madre Hill, who there's no telling what he could have done had he not had two bad knee injuries. I mean, obviously, Darren McFadden is no question number one. Now, Rakeem doesn't have the stats to back it up compared to Alex Collins and your Fred Talley's, Peyton Hillis, Felix Jones. The list goes on and on and on. Jonathan Williams. He may not have those stats to match it up, but I think pound for pound overall running back that Rakeem Boyd is the second best running back to put on a Razorback uniform at least since the early 1990s. Call me crazy, call me whatever you want. That's what my opinion is. And you have got to get the ball to him more. I understand sometimes the offensive line doesn't block that well. I understand he had a bum shoulder, but you know what? He was clearly playing through that. Had it not been for his heroics in that game, on his 15 carries and the two touchdowns he scored, this team would have been lucky. I say that they would have only put up six points, two field goals, but I'm not even so sure that had the running game not done as well as it did, mainly Rakeem, that they might not have even gotten those field goals. It's not insane to say that this had a few things gone different ways. I know you can say that about any game. But had that not been for the running game, this game could have easily been possibly a shutout. I know I'm reaching a little bit there. But you had two weeks, two weeks to prepare for this team that is not that good. They were very good last year. I think that was the best team in school history, or at least the, the best one in recent memory. They lost a lot of players, but they had a lot coming back, and they were expected to, to have a good year this year. Maybe not 10 wins, but once Terry Wilson went down, you know, Sawyer Smith came in, didn't do too much. And then you play Lynn Bowden, a very good athlete. I mean, Randall Cobb 2.0 that Kentucky had, what was it, six, seven years ago. But there's no way that, that he should have beaten you. He's not a quarterback. He can't throw. Yeah, he was 7 of 11 for 78 yards, whatever it was. But there is absolutely no reason why this defense could not load the box every single play they have talent at pass rushers. Sosa Aguim is tied for second in the SEC in sacks. I believe Jamario Bell is still third. He's in the top five. I mean, this, this defensive line can get to the quarterback, especially if you're blitzing multiple. You've got some linebackers in the mix, maybe a defensive back here and there. That's the biggest problem to me is Chad Morris, when he came in, he knew that he was probably going to be in a little bit over his head in terms of defense. He'd only been a head coach for three years prior. He was at SMU. They never really played any defense. So he brought in probably the most legendary active name in terms of defensive coordinators that is still coaching today. Now, has he dropped off? Yes, of course he has. Ever since he's left LSU, he has not been the same coordinator. Of course, speaking of Chavis. But just the fact that you could not make the proper adjustments to stop a guy when you knew for two weeks that he was more than likely going to play the majority of the snaps at quarterback and you let this team rush for 330 yards, Lynn Bowden having almost 200 of those. And I get it. They've, Kentucky's got two very talented backs. And they've got, a, they've got an offensive line that I don't feel like gets talked about enough. They haven't lived up to the potential is why I feel like that they're not as heralded as they were maybe towards the, end, towards the beginning of the season. I mean, these guys average over 300 per man. So I knew that that was going to be a tough going possibly for the defensive line, but all you had to do was just blitz, load the box. How many times do we see that in, in whatever game, whatever game it may be? 
And so that's the biggest problem that I have right now. I think that this is strictly on the coaches. You go back to the Colorado State game. I got a little bit scared after that one because I could tell that they were putting way too much hype on. I had said originally I don't have a problem with them celebrating in the locker room. They appeared they had turned the corner. They could finish a game. I get it. It was against a very inferior opponent. But I was thinking, hey, this coaching staff surely knows that they don't have the talent to overlook anybody. So after this celebration, you move on to Sunday, maybe even let them celebrate for the weekend, and then you move on to Monday, and then it's San Jose State from there. Whereas they just pretty much thrived on that win. SEC Network came in and did a segment over the club dub and was talking with Nick Starkle and C.J. O'Grady about it and everything, and it's just a disaster. I don't think that this coaching staff knows how to keep players in the moment and keep them motivated moving forward because we just haven't seen consistent games in the Chad Morris era. I don't care what kind of talent or lack thereof you have. There is no excuse whatsoever to not show fight. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't show fight against Kentucky. I think that this was just a horrible game plan. But we've just seen so much inconsistencies in the Chad Morris era. I don't really think outside of San Jose State that they've had a game where they laid down this year, but there's still another half season left. So there is a lot of time for some bad things to happen. What reason do we have to believe that anything good will? So I think at the the end of the day right now, I, I am just relieved. I'm relieved that I know exactly where we stand, that I shouldn't get my hopes up anymore. Everybody was talking about how great they played at A&M, and they did play pretty well. We don't know who's, who's going to be the, the starting quarterback when they go out against Auburn. We don't even know. I, I would think it's probably going to be Ben Hicks. I think that he definitely should have gotten a little bit more respect than they gave him after the way he played against A&M. Now, they may have had a competition going on behind closed doors that we don't know about. But I thought that that was a little weird how Chad just came out and immediately said, yes, Nick's going to be the starter, especially after the five interceptions at San Jose State. He played pretty decent before he got hurt. I believe he was 10 of 16 at, at Jerry World against A&M before he went down. But he just looked lost completely in this last game. And, and Ben Hicks at least seems like he can get it going. That's what we've seen as of, as of late. But six games in – Still don't know who your starting guy is. That's that's a problem, along many other things. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll do some Auburn coverage. Stay with us. We'll be right back. back with Tex Hogs, and we're joined by Brandon Marcello of Auburn 247 Sports. Brandon, the first question I want to ask you is, uh, I know that, the, that Bo Nix is the only true freshman that started since the beginning of the season. How would you grade, I know that he didn't have the greatest game against Florida, but how would you grade him overall, just based on how he's been able to lead this team so far? You know, probably a solid B. Um, you know, uh, I think what he's done, he's done more good than harm, even though he hasn't put up crazy numbers. I mean, you just have to look at how he's won games for them, you know, throwing that game-winning touchdown pass in the season opener against 
Oregon certainly stands out. Um, he's protected the football uh, ever since that Oregon game up until the Florida game. The Florida game, he threw three picks. But between the Oregon season opener and that Florida game, he hadn't turned the ball over at all, had protected the ball, had thrown it away, avoided sacks, and had really started improving as a runner, running the zone read. So I'd say a solid B. He just isn't putting up tremendous numbers. His pass completion percentage isn't high. And part of that's because, one, he's missing on some throws, uh, overthrowing, but he's also having to throw the ball away quite a bit to, to avoid sacks. That's what I was going to – I haven't really seen you guys a whole lot besides – I watched the Florida game and the Oregon game, but how has the offensive line been for him? Are they pretty seasoned, or is it is it one that they've had to make some adjustments with? I mean, they're seasoned, they're seniors, but they're they're kind of average. They're It's an average off SEC offensive line. If they face a defensive line that's just a little below them, they usually dominate them. But if they face one that's their equal or a little bit better, they struggle. Um, they, they just don't really play above their heads, really. Um, and, that, and that was an issue at Florida, um, obviously. And it was an issue against Oregon in the first half. It was even an issue against Tulane in the first half of their game earlier this season. Tulane held Auburn to 20 yards rushing in the first half, but then Auburn exploded in the second half, which has kind of been their MO. Even against Florida when they struggled running the ball, they they started running the ball effectively in the second half. But, you know, the problem is is now their top running back, Tartavius Booby Whitlow's out. But the pass protection has been okay. It's been good, but too many times there's been some blown blown assignments and Bo Nix has had to roll out and Nix is not very accurate when he has to to scramble. So G- Gus Malzahn's 10 and 0 coming off of bye weeks and it really couldn't be better for them in this position. You come off that tough loss to Florida and then you get a week off and now you're playing the probably the worst team in the SEC. I think most would probably agree with that, maybe Arkansas or Vanderbilt. And that's also the week before you have to go play LSU. Um, and so what does, what does Gus have to tell them to avoid a possible letdown? There's going to be a lot of recruits in Fayetteville this weekend. Uh, it's going to be uh, an early game. So what does he have to do to make sure that they stay on task and get back to their winning ways? Well, I think the, the, the good thing for Auburn is that they've got a very senior-led group, and especially in the trenches, as I mentioned, the offensive line, but also the defensive line. And they're, they're going to be pretty peeved off. Uh, coming off that Florida loss. I know they were peeved off uh, then, and they still are, and they're going to try and take it out on Arkansas. Um, <clears throat> I, I They've played good against Arkansas since Gus Malzahn's been the head coach at Auburn. Uh, I don't know if that's because you know he's an Arkansas guy and has the ties and he feels like he has something to prove every time he plays them, but um, I, I think they're going to come out and uh, they're really going to want to try and establish that run and get things going. But I, I don't think it'll be an issue trying to keep the concentration of his guys on on Arkansas instead of looking ahead to LSU because, look, they've already faced a top-10 opponent and they got beat. And uh, there's no reason for them to be looking ahead to LSU when they've already lost to a team like Florida that just lost to LSU. So I think they're going to be pretty focused on this game. So with the loss of Booby Whitlow, as you just mentioned, it's probably going to be Cam Martin that that shoulders the load for most of that. What do you think that it's now Auburn just has they they recruit really well, just athletes in general. I mean, you look at Nick Marshall, 
he couldn't throw the ball, but the way that he was able to to run it and play the quarterback position, he's another reason that shows that you must be a true dual threat to run Gus Malzahn's offense successfully. But they just they just have athletes all over the field. I feel like that's been the case since Gus has been there. So do you feel like that this, for the most part, they'll be able to pick? I know the, I know that Booby was the leading rusher, but do you feel like for the most part that they can just maybe pick back up, especially facing an inferior opponent like Arkansas in his first game as a starter, talking about Cam? You know, I really don't know. Um, Cam Martin's been very touch and go, uh, hot and cold throughout his entire career at Auburn. He's not an every down back. They've, they've tried to do that with him, and he just isn't. He can't do it. Um, he's a straight line runner. If he finds a crease and hits a hole, he could he could pick up 10, 15, 20 yards. But he's not the guy. I know a lot of people call him a home run hitter, but I don't think he's really a home run hitter in that sense that, oh, he's just fast. Uh, I, I, he's fast, but I don't know if he's fast enough to be the home run guy. I think Auburn's going to go into this game with a more of a committee approach at running back. Uh, the key for them uh, against Arkansas and then also down the stretch, since Whitlow's out for at least three to five more weeks, is they've, they've got to find an every down back. And the only running back that's on this roster that could probably fit that mold is a true freshman, uh, DJ Williams, who didn't hasn't played very much yet because of injuries. He's finally healthy. He had seven carries in that blowout against Mississippi State for 32 yards, and they need him to step up. They had a, He had a good bye week practice, as coaches say, and they're expecting him to have to contribute at Arkansas. And if Auburn's going to want an every down back, someone that they can maybe rely on to be a bell cow uh, against Arkansas, but also at LSU and down the stretch here, I think the guy that has to step up is DJ Williams more so than than Cam Martin. So we're talking with Brandon Marcello from Auburn 247 Sports. And I want to go back to the, the defensive line. I, I think – that this is probably the best defensive line in the nation. Derek Brown is even mentioned as some, uh, by some regards, as the top player overall in the country. I don't think that's a, cra- a crazy argument either. So I, I've I've watched really the interior line, especially against A and M. That was another game that I did watch them quite heavily. How's their How has their linebacking and secondary been over the season? I know that they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of total defense, but how how has their back end been overall this year? You know, their linebackers uh, have done very well filling gaps, especially in run defense and and, and blitz packages. The the secondary, they play a lot of man, and so they they don't really get turnovers. They only have one interception, in fact, all season. Um, They're not playing a lot of zone. Um, They've broken up a lot of passes, but they do give up some big plays. Um, Not necessarily over the top of their heads, but – in the middle of the field and a lot of defense or excuse me, offensives have pulled up, have uh, pulled that out of their playbook. Florida had a lot of success in the middle of the field. Um, Mississippi state even did so when they were able to throw the ball. Um, And that's, that's the thing. I think the way to beat Auburn, you know, if you're any team, the rest of the season, no matter your talent level, uh, you're going to have to throw the ball probably 30 times in a game. Uh, to beat Auburn and score enough points because the defense is so stout up front that if you try to run the ball, you're probably going to, at best, maybe barely crack 100 yards. They're just that good in the middle. So you got to throw the ball. And so far, teams have had success doing that, which has allowed them to pick up a lot of yards, as you mentioned, and and score some points. But um, you're going to have to throw the ball about 30 times and have confidence in your receivers and your quarterback to get that done. 
Yeah, and that does not bode well for a team that still has a quarterback controversy six weeks in or seven weeks into the season. You've got the you got the number one running back in terms of, of rush yards, but I, that's one thing that I've thought about is I don't know how much that's really going to help them against a front like this and also not even knowing who your quarterback is. So that's kind of the, the struggle that I've been having this week. But uh, well, one one last I'd question. Say, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know Auburn really, no matter the de- offensive line they face, they've they've pretty much done what they've wanted to. Um, some of their stats have been inflated as far as people picking up yards because you know they kind of let the pedal off uh, off the floor a little bit when they get late in these games and a couple of blowouts they've had, and including at Texas A and M, that game wasn't really close, and then they kind of took their foot off the floor and gave up a bunch of passing yards there late. But, um, you know, the one thing I could say about Auburn, despite their, um, you know, up and down play on offense this season, the, the defense has been very, very steady for them. One last question I want to I ask you before we get out of here. So they've got their three biggest games that they have left on the schedule. Of course, they've got LSU the week after Arkansas, Georgia a few weeks down the road, and, of course, everyone knows about the Iron Bowl. Uh, at, at, after Thanksgiving. So Gus Malzahn is kind of I, – I, I, you would know more than me. I'd say maybe about 50-50 the fan base really isn't sure about him, maybe even more so towards – I mean, there might be less than that supporting him. But let's just say I think he's either going to get LSU or Georgia. Let's just say he wins one of those two games and he wins the Iron Bowl. Do you think that he'll have the fan base back on his side? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, for the most part, yeah. And I agree with you. I think it is probably about 50-50 right now, though he's much more in the good graces of folks um, than he was the, at the start of the season, even though they just lost to Florida. Um, you know, I don't think he necessarily has to beat the, these big three for him to survive. I, I think he's just got to win the games they're supposed to, which is Arkansas and Ole Miss and their uh, FCS opponent, Samford. And then go into a bowl game and be competitive. But um, I, I agree with you. I think there's an opportunity there for them to beat one of those three opponents. I just don't know about LSU because, you know, as I mentioned, I think Auburn can give up the middle of the field a lot in the passing game. And boy, does LSU's passing offense just look amazing to me. Um, so I, I kind of wonder if Auburn could even keep up. LSU's defense has been, you know, off and on. And I just don't know if Auburn can score enough points because their their offense has been struggling. And as we mentioned, they're still trying to figure things out at running back now that their top guy is out. Georgia, I think, and I've been saying this since the start of the year, is most acceptable, I think, because it's at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I don't have a lot of confidence in Georgia's offense because of all the moving pieces they have. Um, they didn't play well uh, the last time they came to, to Auburn. Um, I, I kind of like Auburn in that matchup more so than LSU or, or especially Alabama. I think Alabama is the best team in the country right now. Yeah, and and kind of going back to the Gus talk, I, I think that he possibly Bo Nix may have come around at the perfect time because one thing I've always said about him is when he has his back up against the wall, it seems like he always tends to do what he needs to do. And now that he does have a guy like Bo Nix that he's grooming him and he's a true freshman, this could be possibly the the saving grace that he needed. I mean, you never know. Uh, you got a lot of time ahead of you, but uh, I think that that was probably just perfect timing on his part, just my personal opinion on that. But Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and it, and it all depends. You know, I'm not saying that, 
you lose those big three games and then you're you're suddenly safe. It also depends on how you lose them. If you get blown out by all three, that we might be singing a different tune uh, in the first of December uh, among the boosters and everything. But I think I think Gus is you know, done enough in the first half of the season and set himself up well enough to one, they're still hanging on, you know, to be in the SEC West race, but um way the way the schedule is, I mean, it's a lot of opportunities. Sure it's tough with the big three, but you get two of three of them at home and uh that can make all the difference for them. Well, Brandon, one last request that I have for you. I don't know if it's usually Wednesday or Thursday that the media talks to Gus, but if you can just Tell him to take it easy on on his fellow Arkansans just a little bit, <laughs> as opposed to last time he was in Fayetteville. <laughs> I think I think he will, but just because he and Chad Morris are pretty close. So if it were to get kind of out of hand, I don't think he'd do what he'd like to do to Brett Bielema, which is score fifty points uh, every time he faced him. But uh, I can't, I, I, think, I can't blame him for that either. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I that that whole thing in the what what year was that? Two thousand thirteen when they ran the swinging gate play and. Uh, Arkansas did after Auburn ran it and didn't include it on film that they were supposed to give to Arkansas. And then an Auburn player falls down the end zone. They think he's, you know, (laughs) faking an injury. It was great gamesmanship. I I love that type of stuff, but uh, that's not going to happen in this game. Uh, Him and Chad Morris are very, very close buddies. Yeah, Brett Brett did not rub a lot of coaches the wrong way. Me being in Texas now, I can tell you there's a lot of high school coaches that are not big fans of him, but, you know. He popped his mouth off a little bit too much. So, well, cool, Brandon. Well, man, I really appreciate the time and and uh, spitting some knowledge at us uh, from your your experiences with the team. And just hope, hopefully, we can somehow keep it a good game on Saturday. It'll be interesting. Um, I, I think Auburn though will end up covering that spread of about yeah. 17, 18 points. I, I, think I think it's at eighteen and a half right now. I think it's probably yeah. Gonna be- yeah, they're gonna they're gonna come out on fire. I think they're 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 really really angry about the way they lost that Florida game. Yeah, and no better no no better team to take it out on than the 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 last in the league. So, <laughs> yeah, I can I can't say I blame them. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for another episode for Brandon Marcello. My name's Kyle Sutherland. You've been listening to Tech Songs. 